Hey guys, Doug Flutie here, and this is the first episode of the Flutie Flakes cast. I am very excited to start my first podcast. This is something new to me, and I just want to have the opportunity to talk, especially with other quarterbacks, about a lot of football stuff, some X and O's, a lot of off-the-field things. Uh, very excited about it. You will find out that uh, I do a lot more than just play football. I do a lot of stuff off the field. So the Flutie Flakes cast is part of the SiriusXM podcast network. You can find the podcast on the new SXM app and wherever you get your podcasts. Remember to rate and subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. Really excited because I got Brett Favre, Hall of Fame quarterback, Super Bowl winner, you name it, Brett's done it. I love Brett because he's everything I wanted to be at the NFL field, throwing sidearm, falling away, laying it up, doing, putting it on the line. I love the way he plays the game. And then also Hall of Fame quarterback, Jim Kelly, Buffalo Bills, four consecutive Super Bowls, a guy that I've crossed paths with from the beginning of our careers, uh, an amazing guy. He actually um, has Hunter's Hope, which is his foundation for his son. And he's actually the one that gave me the idea to start a foundation for my son and uh, a foundation for autism. So uh, Jim and I are very close and have been over the years and uh, very excited to get into this. But first, before we really get into it, I want a, a little story about Tom Brady. Tom and I uh, spent one year together and it was just a uh, really amazing, you know, the guy that's buttoned up. We would show up at six in the morning. We'd have our workout in in the morning and have to grab breakfast before our seven o'clock meeting. I'm rolling out of bed at 530 in the morning. I throw my sweats on. They're sitting on the floor right next to the bed and I'm in the car barefoot and just trying to get there in time. Tom shows up. He's buttoned up. He's got his designer jeans on, a nice sweater, maybe a pashmina wrapped around his neck. It just, Tom is buttoned up in any way. I will say this, though. The one time he slipped up, a whole group of us were going down to Foxwood Casino. We're going to hit a casino for the night on a day off. And Tom left his wallet at the gas station on top of the car and drove off. It falls off. He loses his wallet. We obviously, we get to a casino. He's got no money, no wallet. And, you know, it seemed like a setup. But the amazing thing about Tom, and everything seems to fall into place, is that, sure enough, someone found the wallet, being Tom Brady's wallet, they returned it to the police, cash in hand, in the wallet, was not taken, and uh, you know everything just seems to work out for Tom. And how about the fact that he spends one year in Tampa Bay, goes to the Super Bowl, playing at home, first time ever for that, he's already won more NFC championships than every other quarterback and this, that, and that. you know, it's just amazing. All the individual marks that he hit this year in just one year in Tampa Bay and uh, things just seem to work out. Now he's facing Pat Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes is coming back for a second year after winning it last year and just seems to get better. The one thing I will say about Patrick Mahomes is he start, he's been starting slow in the playoffs and then once he gets behind, he relaxes, turns it on, and then you've got to just hold on and watch because he is an amazing athlete with the ball in his hand. I love the way Patrick Mahomes plays. He can throw the ball from any arm angle. He's never out of a game. He can make a play at any time. So it's going to be a fun matchup. Uh, I'm kind of got my pom-poms out doing a little cheerleading for Tommy, for Tom Brady, because uh, I, I actually have a little bit of a personal relationship there. So, so excited to be doing my first podcast, Super Bowl week. Coming up, my conversation with Hall of Famer Brett Favre. Football fans, you know the score. You know who won. You know who lost. But do you know why? This is former NFL linebacker Kirk Morrison. And on my podcast, Total Coverage, I explore the reasons behind the results with some of the greatest minds in all of football. Game plans, techniques, matchups. We break them all down on Total Coverage. So listen today on the SiriusXM app, now home to the best collection of podcasts all in one place. Free from all subscribers. Just download it today and tap podcast. Hey, Brett, how you doing? What's been going on? Not much, Doug. Uh, just watching a little football, watching a lot of movies. Not a whole lot to do uh, starting back around March of last year. How'd you feel about Green Bay getting bounced out? Is there an attachment there still? A little bit. You know, I mean, it's, it's been, I've been far enough removed where it's not painful. If, you know, uh, I'm sure you, you know what I'm, I mean. Uh, but I, I, I think more than anything, I was shocked surprised not that I didn't think Tampa could do it because I thought they could but I didn't think they would because the hottest team in football presently 
was the Green Bay Packers, and that's AFC, NFC. I mean, they were hitting on all cylinders. So I, I really didn't think that they would play uh, the way they did. But I give, I give a lot of credit to Tampa. Talking about Tampa, you know, Tom, Tommy bounces over for one year and makes this run. I guess you can really relate to it and what you did with Minnesota at the end of your career and bouncing away. First of all, how how's that feel for you differently uh, being in a new city, and does it rejuvenate you, or uh, what do you think of what he did this year? Yeah, well, that's a great question. Uh, he and I talked at the Super Bowl last year on the field uh, in the tunnel prior to to the start of the game. They were honoring the top 100 players uh, of all time, and he and I just happened to be on it. Just ha- just happened to be on it. No, yeah, that doesn't just happen. I don't understand how he got on it. But anyway, we we had a I don't know a couple of minutes where where we we actually had just space. There was I mean you know you can imagine there was all the players and there was the security and all the just but we had a, a few minutes where we it was just us two and he he uh, very serious demeanor just said hey Brett uh, when you went to Minnesota was it worth it would you do it again. Uh, you know, basically just, and I said, absolutely, absolutely. I said, uh, and, you know, I don't know what your circumstances are, but I said, New England would be stupid not to try to bring you back. And he said, no, you know, the it's it's a mutual thing. I just, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm exploring my options. I said, hey, you don't have to prove anything. I said, but what, whatever happens, you go somewhere, and if, if it doesn't work out like you would like, you're still the greatest of all time. Now, in saying that, I, I didn't for one second believe that he wouldn't succeed. Uh, whatever succeed means to, to me or to anyone else is a different story. But I mean, go there and, and improve that, that team to, to whatever degree remains to be seen. But I said, I say do it. He said, I'm thinking about doing it. Now, he didn't talk about a team because I don't think a team was uh, – was, was uh, was even in the in the conversations at that time. I think he's just in exploring. So I think what he did. I know how. I, I don't know what it's like to change teams in a pandemic and not be able to meet, throw, you know, gain some chemistry before you actually start playing. Um, so I don't know what that's like, but I know that there's a. You said it. There's a. A re- rejuvenation, re- reignite the passion, whatever. Uh, you've been, you know, in Tom's case, he's been so great for so long. I don't think he ever took that for granted, but I think maybe other people probably did. They just assumed that we had Tom, we're going to the Super Bowl. And for the most part, that, that, was, that was almost true. But you go to a new franchise and they've been down for so long and the expectation level is high, obviously, uh, almost almost higher than you can a- achieve. You know, it's like, hey, 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 it takes more than one. But it, but there's this newness to it, and and I think that's exciting. And it's it's a challenge because you don't you have to learn a new offense, you have to learn a new play caller, you have to learn new players, stadium, where do I drive to, where my where me and my family going to live? What school are they going to go to? It's a challenge. Um, but he's, he's obviously handled it very well. I always say, you know, don't give Tom a reason to be great. You know, don't, don't give him a reason to motivate him because when he, the year he, uh, Patriots made their run and, uh, he, he had gotten suspended for four games in the beginning of the year, the whole, you know, deflating football thing. But, that gave him another reason to be great. And he has one of his best years ever makes that long run and, and gets it going again. And I just say that about Tom, you know, you, you challenge him in any way. My one Tom story is playing golf. He, he learned a new swing and uh, he was out there playing par golf for 16 holes. And then he lost it on the last two holes of a couple of double bogeys, got mad, called his swing coach. He went straight from the 18th green to the tee box and starts working at it again. And that, in a nutshell, is Tom Brady. You know, he's that perfectionist, and it, it just amazes me that way. Um, can you talk a little bit? I, I think a big part of it is the, the connection Tom has with a coach and, and what your relationship with coaches are and uh, you know, your relationship with Andy Reid and what he did for you over the years. 
Well, Andy and I, uh, we met, let's see, my first year, I have to think back, my first year was in Atlanta in 91. I mean, officially it counts, but unofficially it doesn't count. So, uh, I mean, that was kind of a, the only good thing about the Atlanta year was that it got me traded to Green Bay, which ended up being a great thing. So, but anyway, my first year in Green Bay was the first year for the entire coaching staff. It was a, it was the first year for the entire uh, front office. Ron Wolf was the new GM. Well, the tight end coach was Andy Reid. Andy and, and Mariucci, who was my quarterback coach. Andy was coaching tight ends. Mariucci was coaching quarterbacks. Both of them were roughly the same age. They were probably early 30s. I, I, mean, I mean, it's been so long ago. But So the, the first pro job, you know, we, we go – I think Mooch was with me for three or four years. I know three. And, uh, and we, we had – each year we got better. Each year we – the chemistry on that team was like no other. And I think that's one of the reasons we won the championship. But the relationship with the players and the coaches was like no other. And I played 20 years, so I have a lot of – references to go to uh, different coaches, different staffs, different organizations. Some do it this way, some do it that way. But that's that staff and that that team for about three or four or five, maybe six years was a, was a family. I can honestly say that. And, and Andy was a big part of that. Now, Andy was a grinder. Uh, I mean, I loved him to death, but I wasn't in his meetings because I wasn't a tight end. And I was very thankful that I wasn't in his meetings because it was like, man, that all they do is meet. So Mariucci leaves and goes to be the head coach at Cal. Breaks my heart. And I'm home in Mississippi in the offseason, and Mike Holmgren gives me a call. And he says, hey, I just want you to know we hired you a new quarterback coach. Uh, and I, I just didn't want you to hear it from anyone else first. I said, I was kind of ex excited, like, who's going to replace Mooch if that is even possible? And he said, it's Andy Reid. And I went, oh, shit. I mean, he couldn't see me because we were not Zoom, and that was before cell phones. And I was like, oh, hell. But, I, you know, I didn't give that, that vibe off. I was thinking, I love Andy but he is going to meet us to death. Well, totally the opposite. I think my first, you know, it was April, I think the first mini camp where we were together and he was all full of piss and vinegar. Come on, you know, Hey, let's get started. But he did sit, he did take the time to talk to me and say, look, I'm not going to meet with you like the tight ends. He said, I know, you know, that, that I, he said, the last thing I want you to be worried about is how long we're meeting. He said, but just give me a chance to, to show you little tricks and trades. And, and I can't remember the exact words he used, but he said, look, we can, be, we can be efficient in 15 minutes rather than two hours. He said, if, if you know what you're looking for, then we can – and he said, I'm going to give you that. So, and for example, Tampa, that, that year that Andy took over, they were just – they had just drafted like Lynch, Orrin Sapp, Rondé Barber, Derrick Brooks. You know, they were all young and raw, and, and we were beating them at, at that time, and they did it exactly the way they were coached, you know, with the scheme. So, like, Brad Culpepper was a, deep, was a no, nose tackle for them. Uh, and anytime he – you didn't really see a tilt nose that much at the time. Klecko had done it years before, but, but it went with a certain blitz or scheme that they were doing. And he said, look, we can watch a lot of film. And I just remember this as a, the best example I can give. He said, when you see Brad Culpepper tilted to the strong side, Strong dog's coming. He said, strong, Derek Brooks, he said, the bubble is over the guard to that side, meaning no one, he's uncovered. They're going to strong dog that side, so they're going to blitz the, the, the Sam and the Mike 
and drop the weak side in and rotate down with the safety to the strong side. And he said, so that, he said, you don't have to worry about what everybody else is doing. If you see him tilted, now you know what everyone's doing. And that's just one example uh, of our relationship and how simple he made it. When I would come in every week, he, he had already done all the heavy lifting. He, he said, look, when, you turn on, when we turn on this film, when we watch third and three to six and third to seven and ten, you're going to go, what in the hell are they doing? I mean, they've got people walking around, and, and I'm, just, I'm just throwing out, you know, a, a random example. But he said, you can easily go. I, I'm confused. And he said, and I was too. He said, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's number 55. He said, number 55 is your key. If he's in the game and he's on the weak side, that's when all their chaos happens. If 55 is on the strong side, they play base zone or just a regular man. So, you know, my point is he made it real simple and broke it down to where anyone could understand it. And, and his play, he didn't, really, he didn't call plays at the time, but I think he and I were on the same page as far as the simplistic part of it because he and I would talk about it all the time. I'm like, why do we call this play? 19 or 22 words for one play. How about tiff to queen left slot zip act four seven six zero f shoot sneak? You know, you start doing all this wordy stuff. Yeah, I, I love. I, I feel like I'm the same way, and I want it simplified. I hate it going into a game thinking a thousand miles an hour and having to look for every front, every this, every. And if you can zero those things in and be, then you get to relax and play. You freeze your mind up. You become paralyzed. You, know, you don't use your athleticism. How do you, like, especially for big games, like going into Super Bowl week, playing a Super Bowl, um, was he a guy that could keep you loose? Was he a guy that, because uh, I, I look at Mahomes, and every, every big game, he started slow. He starts slow. I feel like he goes out, and then he starts getting into a groove and winds up loosening up and just playing. But uh, when you went into a big game, how did you stay loose, or was it just natural for you? Well, it was, na it was natural for me. And I think my, whether consciously or subconsciously, felt pressure or anxiety or stress, whatever you want to call it, mostly prior to a game, I, I, I tended to gravitate to humor. Again, subconsciously or consciously. Um, that was my way of easing tension. I'd be imitating one of the coaches in, in pregame in the locker room. You know, you'd have a guy over there sitting in his locker listening to music, and he didn't want – he didn't – I mean, he, early on in my career, people looked at me, uh, my, at least my first three or four years, guys were like, man, you need to take this more serious. Then there were others that were, that were right there along there with me, like, you know, that were my sidekicks. But when people finally realized that I was prepared – you know, I wouldn't be joking around if I did not know what I was doing. Now, there were some times in games that you would have said, I'm not so sure he knows what he's doing. But, but I, I prepared the best I, I possibly could or I knew how. And then come game day, I thought that was when I had fun. I let it, I let it out. And, and I think everyone's different. Everyone learns different. Everyone handles situations different. But for me, I felt like, when I was in the hole and it was a TV timeout and I kind of broke the tension, we responded better. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but, but a guy like Andy, and, and again, our, that coaching staff early on was that way. We had a little mix of everything. We had John Gruden on staff. He was, he was a, a quality, quality control his first year and then became receiver coach. And we, we just had a great group of coaches, players, and a mix of fun, serious, uh, ass-chewing, uh, you know, praising. I mean, we had a little bit of everything. But to me, that's the way I felt like I could ease the tension within the – not only for myself but for the players by cracking a joke at the, at the, you know, maybe the oddest time that you would think that you'd be breaking and cracking jokes. But that's the way I played. Yeah, I go back to some moments where you, we were playing Minnesota and I was having a good good game and I just replaced Drew Brees at that point. Drew was struggling. It was early in his career. 
and Tim Dwight and I had just watched uh, Rockstar, the movie, Jennifer Aniston in it, Wahlberg's in it. Anyway, and the song came up on the, the PA. And he and I start rocking out in the huddle. We had a bunch of young offensive linemen. And it, but that's the way I felt like I had to be. I had to be I, – I think I, we were on the uh, playing field a couple hours before game. And I walked out to this very end of my career. And I just walked up to you and I said, hey, you validate everything I tried to do in the way I played the game. And I, I watch a lot of the stuff you did. Uh, drifting away. Your first touchdown pass in the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl win. You're backpedaling, drifting and throwing, kind of chucking duck, right? Drifting and falling away. And I always say this, I, I look at Patrick Mahomes. He does a lot of that where he's on the move. And I always looked at it as I, when I knew I had a guy down the field, like on a post or a corner, a ball that you could lay up, all I wanted to do was make sure I had enough time to get rid of it because we got this, right? And I can throw it from any arm angle, any time. So I'm just going to drift away from this rush, fade away, and when that gives them, and especially in like an overload blitz situation or somebody coming free, where you had that extra fraction of a second and he makes his move and now it's an easy throw falling away. And you knew as soon as that left your hand, it's six. Did you get grief from coaches over the years or early on? Or early on, yeah, but I think once they realized that this is his deal, and I look, I tried. Who was I to say in my first, second, third year that I knew more than Mike Holmgren or, or any other coach? I mean, at times I wanted to think I did. Who, what 21, 22, 23-year-old doesn't think he knows at all? But I had every, all these coaches tell me, look, you need to set your feet. You need to move up into the pocket. You need – you you know, you're not going to make a living throwing it and going backwards uh, or both feet off the ground. You're not going to make a living like that. You got away with it. You got away with it. But you, we need to work on it. So we work on it, and I, I mean, I, I got worse. Uh, yeah, it was just – it was my MO. You know, it's what I did. Uh, and uh, last part of my career, my coaches were like, shit, what do what you – they were like, what kind of drills you want to do? <laughs> I got a coach – when I was in the late 80s, when I first started out in New England, and, and you're young, you're trying to do it the right way, they brought in a uh, Richard Woods came in as the quarterback coach and it was all footwork with me. And now I, the footwork part of it worked for me in three-step drop, like slants, outs, hitches, that type of stuff. But when, when a guy's getting, you know, up the field and you've got to buy a, you know, it's that extra half second that you buy with your feet, whether drifting or moving or stepping up, that's stuff Brady does. That, now Tom doesn't throw all the arm angles like you did, right? No, but he, he, you're right. His footwork, and that's one of the things I tell people, and you and I probably couldn't do it. I mean, I, I'm not saying that we couldn't do it. Mentally, when, when I got, when a guy kind of hit the back part of my shoulder pads or I felt the squeeze, maybe, maybe I was seeing ghosts, but if I felt it, I was gone. He has this, uh, to me, it's, you know, it's, it, it's, it's what makes him great. One of the things that makes him great. He's able to just slide like that much. How he knows to slide that much is one thing. But when he slides that much, and he, then he just resets like, okay, now I got, I'm safe again. Man, when I felt like I got even close to, I never felt safe again. I was gone. And to have that presence, I, I, yeah, I don't know what it is, but to, to, to reset – and calm yourself down, shuffle, slide. You're right. He doesn't make uh, plays, you know, on the run. He doesn't buy time with his feet. He just moves around in the pocket as well as anyone that's ever played the game. See, I think when I look at Tom doing that, he knows he doesn't have any alternative. He, he wins with his arm. So he knows I got to stay – I got to get rid of the ball. Like you and I or, you know, a guy like Pat Mahomes – he takes off. He can beat you with his legs. He can stay on the move, throw that sidearm. So Tom knows he's had a win with his arm. Not going to outrun anybody. Knowing your limitations, knowing what your your strengths and weaknesses are, and playing to those. Um, certainly, he does a wonderful job of that. It, it's impressive. I, I just marvel. I just if he had any because he worked so hard with his feet, trying to get faster. He can't break five zero. In a 40. I mean, Tom, if it's, it pains me when he actually has to step up through and, and run for four yards. 
How about off the field, Brett? What, what are you doing off the field, messing around? I hear you're into cycling a little bit. Yeah, if you told me I was going to bike one time, five miles, nonstop, before I, or right as I retired, I would have said, you're absolutely crazy. Uh, why would I ever do that? But a log, 5,200 miles this, just this past year, uh, at 500 already this year, and I love it. I'm not a runner. I would love to be able to jog pain-free and not have any long-term effects. But, you know, I've run in three half marathons, four actually, and I'm 230 pounds. I mean, you know, so I try to stay active. Biking seems to be the, the, the I don't want to say the safest, because you, you're going to wreck on a bike. You know, you're going to get road rash or you're going to break something. Um, but I enjoy it. You know, like we went to Colorado or have gone to Colorado in the summer, take the family for a vacation and do some hiking and stuff and then bike in the mountains. And yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's just, uh, I mean, sometimes I stop and uh, can't believe that I'm able to do the things that I, first of all, I never thought I would be, be able to do and to enjoy it the way we have. Uh, so retirement's been good. Our youngest daughter, we got two daughters. Our oldest is 30, will be 32, February 6th. We've got three boys, 10, 6, and 3, 3 or 4. And um, our youngest daughter is playing beach volleyball at Southern Miss, and they're about to start their season. Hopefully this pandemic stuff doesn't affect it. And we enjoy watching and traveling with, with her. So it, it's, it keeps us busy, uh, and I got lots to do out here in my place. You know, I, I, I got more than I can handle. We, we got 465 acres, and, you know, my, my old roommate and center for 12 years, Frank Winters, is like from Union City, New Jersey. Dude, what do you need with all that land? I, I never had a set number in mind. It just happened that we had this, uh, this opportunity to buy this land, and we have a beautiful place. But at times it can be stressful, you know, middle of summer and it had rain in 40 days and your irrigation goes out, you know, stuff. I mean, just stuff. So I, my point is we got plenty to do and plenty to occupy my time each and every day. The biking experience. What's your worst header? What's your worst wreck on a bike? Uh, okay, so I've had three. No broken bones, thankfully. But... It was a Sunday group ride. There was about seven or eight guys, you know, and my wife, she, she bikes, but, and sometimes she'll bike with us, but most of the time she's like, you guys, you're like kids on the playground. And she's right. You know, we're, you know, we're, we're acting like we're 18 years old. And, and I, we were five miles from the end and, and it was, it was September, but it was still hot in Mississippi. And uh, we were on the main road, and I tried to catch the guy in front of me. And, and I know exactly how fast I was going because my bike computer, when I logged my ride, it went from 20 to zero, just like that. I hit his back tire, and I went straight over. But what, what happened was I stood up to try to catch him. And when I did, my left calf started cramping, and you, clip, you clipped in. And you know when you get a cramp. And it's it, sometimes maybe you're at a dinner table or you're in a theater or something, you get one in your hamstring and you just, ah! Well, I have one in my calf. And when I raised up and I just try to straighten up, I hit his back tire. And I, when I did, I went, you know, 20 to zero, just like that. And I went straight over my left side and right on the main road. Fortunately, no cars were coming and just had a bad road rash, but I separated my left shoulder and, um, like bruised my left elbow. And I, I know, I remember it vividly because we were going bow hunting. This was on a Sunday. On Tuesday, we were going bow hunting for elk in Colorado on Tuesday. And I, I said, how in the world am I going to pull a bow back? Uh, which I ended up using a crossbow, so I didn't have to pull it back. But that was the worst. Why, why do we do the things we do at our age? I, you and I, 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 I heard you were talking about doing a little adventure show or something like that with NFL about at one time. And you and I got to get together. We got to hang. I could do this stuff all day. We got to get together, do a show, like an adventure show. I want to jet ski from 
Fort Lauderdale to the Bahamas. I want to get a group of guys together and go on a jet ski trip across the ocean. That would be awesome. I'm in. Uh, join Brett Favre, uh, Hall of Fame quarterback. Uh, he will be co-hosting with Bruce Murray to host a special town hall with Sirius XM. February 5th uh, with special guests Kenny Chesney and Nick Saban. How'd you meet Kenny Chesney? Or how t- You guys are pretty tight, right? I was still playing, so I was, he, when he's, he had a song come out, Boys of Fall, it was about football. And uh, Sean Payton and I have been friends for a long time, and Sean reached out to me and said, Kenny wants to know if he can have your number. And he said, uh, I'll let him explain what it's about, but it's pretty cool. And he said, do you mind? I said, no, I don't mind a bit. Well, two days later, he was he had fl- flew into Hattiesburg, where we lived. Of course, we did talk right after Sean gave me my number, and he told me what he was doing. He was filming a video, and he was trying to get different guys to just tell a little story about, you know, they're growing up and playing football, and he's going to – you know, splice in little excerpts from each and every one. And I said, man, sounds good. He came in and two or three guys that were filming with him, his manager, uh, Bailey. And from there, man, we hit it off. and We were friends ever since. And, and we've been great friends ever since. And um, gone to a couple of his concerts over in Baton Rouge. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited that we, he'll be joining me. I tell you, we could do this all day. I love it. Uh, thanks for joining me, Brett. You're, you're amazing. And uh, stay a kid the rest of your life. Thanks for having me on, Doug. Hey, everybody. This is Fran Freshella, host of the podcast World of Basketball. Each week, we chat with the players, coaches, and executives who have helped grow the game of basketball around the world, like Toronto Raptors championship winning coach Nick Nurse. I, I always say this. I, I, I don't know why I picked this number, Fran, but I always say the X and O stuff's about 15% of the job. It really yeah. is. Episodes are available every Thursday on the SiriusXM app or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, I'm talking with Jim Kelly. Jim, how you been? Where are you? What's going on? What's hap- What's new in Jim Kelly's world? Well, um, feeling pretty good. Uh, just uh, unfortunately, uh, well, they got. I just had uh, some a biopsy taken off of um, a little thing on my nose. So if I only have a, people out there watching, I'm, I'm sure it's not a, a video one, but I got a little uh, squamous uh, taken off, a little basal taken off my nose. And, it's ruining this good-looking mug. <laughs> I tell you what. <laughs> you know what, Doug? I am down in the area where you made history on that comeback pass against the University of Miami, the U, that I've seen way too many times. But congratulations on that. But that's where I'm at. I'm down <laughs> in uh, uh, Miami. My wife said, Jim, go see some of your friends. You, I know you want to see some sunshine, which – Right now, it's snowing back home in Buffalo. So I came down here and I hooked up with um, a couple of my college roommates and a buddy of mine. And we just went by um, a place where we went, I think it was every Thursday, Duffy's Irish Bar. And uh, I had a, a nice Guinness. I had to have a Guinness when I came back here, going back to my old stomping ground. But other than that, doing fine, doing good. Thank God, staying COVID-free. And uh, I just hope it stays that way for a long time. COVID-free and cancer-free? Yeah, everything good. I had my um, reset, I guess, about two months ago. I was totally cancer-free. Thank God for that. And mm-hmm. uh, so far, um, doing fine. As you all know, with this COVID driving everybody crazy, uh, just trying to stay safe and healthy and stay away from anything that would, uh, um, you know, take me down. So right now I'm feeling pretty good, Doug. How about you? How's the family? I'm doing great. I'm hanging out in Florida full-time. I got tired of the cold weather, so I moved down to Melbourne Beach, Florida full-time. I was surfing four hours yesterday morning, two hours this morning. Um, had a hockey game last night, playing goaltender. I like, really? you know, I just, I, I'm about 12 years old. Oh, I'm 10 years old. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> you know, so I, I just got to keep being a kid. And for those who don't remember or don't realize the significance of the Miami thing with Jim, he went to the University of Miami when you guys were just spitting out quarterbacks one after another. Uh, the class of 83, just lighting it up at Miami. So what was that, two years after you, Jim, when that happened? You were yeah, well, No, just the following year. I graduated in 82. I'm not exactly sure when that throw was, but uh, I was right after I, I left Miami, of course, went to the USFL. Yeah, USFL. Oh my gosh, 
Uh, those who don't know, they see nobody. They don't remember this. Uh, Jim Kelly, Hall of Famer, Buffalo Bills, taking them to four straight Super Bowls, blah, 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 blah. We both started out in the USFL. I was with Donald Trump in the New Jersey Generals. Jim Kelly there was, was there a year or two before me and uh, with the Houston Gamblers and the run and shoot and Mouse Davis. What were those days like, Jim? You know what? It's, um, it was a blessing because it's really where I learned the passing game. Um, uh, I remember, you know, my first start against Penn State when I was a redshirt freshman and, of course, went there for, you know, became the starting quarterback after that and then went on to the University of Miami, you know, as far as the senior then up for the Heisman Trophy, as you well know. And, um, and I blew my shoulder out and they told me I would never play football again. And then finally I was trapped by the Buffalo Bills and did not really want to go to Buffalo play. I went to Miami, did I look cold weather and I ended up in Buffalo. But to be honest with you, that was probably one of the best decisions I ever made. But before heading to Buffalo, I went to Houston. And as you well know, that run and shoot was awesome. Miles Davis brought his Musketeers in. Had those little <laughs> wide receivers. Pretty much what Mahomes is doing right now. His receivers are only, you know, they're small little guys too. And he's yeah. able to, um, you know, tear Richard, it up now. Richard Johnson. Days where I really learned my passing game. Yeah, Richard Johnson in the slot. You had Scott McGee, uh, McNeil. You had Claire's these for Dan. Oh, my God. Oh, Claire's for Dan. That's right. Holy Mac. They had so much speed. This, this was the first group, Mouse Davis these days, guys, that just spread the field, put it in Jim's hands, and just sling it around the field. The best thing about Scott McGee, though, was that his brother Doc managed Bon Jovi and Motley Crue and all those yep. guys, so we got to go all the concert. But uh, what you see on the field now, and actually a lot of what I did in Canada started with Mouse Davis, Jim Kelly, and the run and shoot. I don't, how many yards you guys throw for? Do you remember? No, but game over season. 5,000, I remember the one game um, I threw for like 574 yards, <laughs> and I think I was against the LA Express and Steve uh, Young. Steve Young. And me and Steve uh, has had some battles. Man, they, they don't know. Steve Young played in LA. You had Reggie White in Memphis. Uh, you know, you're, you're with Houston. Herschel and I are, are in New Jersey. Uh, Brian Seip was finishing his career with Jackson. But there were some names. That we, Kelvin were 50, Bryant. 15 guys out of the USFL, when the league uh, folded, went to the NFL Pro Bowl the following year. That's the kind of talent that was there. And it, it, was, uh, it was just a good time. And I tell you, we were exactly the opposite of you guys. We had Herschel and Maurice Carthon at fullback. And I threw the ball like six times a game and handed off to Herschel. He winds up throwing. He rushed for 2,000 that year. Hey, Doug, you're not, and also the thing is, our team wind up merging with the generals. We were teammates. I, I just looked at, you know, who I was going to have in my backfield, and I knew that how co competitive you were, but having Herschel Walker in the backfield, I mean, I was, that, that's a dream come true. Could you imagine that team? And shoot offense also. Wow, that would have been a hell of a team, and I look forward to it, but unfortunately, as you well know, we – we folded, and then one of the best decisions I ever made was going to Buffalo. I still live there now. The people are awesome. My wife, my kids love it. We do get times where we come down, it's a little too cold, and we come <laughs> to Florida for a couple of weeks. But uh, those were the, the days, days, my, my friend. friend. <laughs> <laughs> but one last tag on the, the USFL thing was we did merge. We went down to Houston, and we were working out together for a few weeks. And uh, the announcement of the league folding all came along. But I had Jim in front of me, and I'm like, I'm ticked off because I know I'm not going to be the starting quarterback. Jim's going to be the starter. So I started running some slot and running some routes. and try I was kind of in that mentality of how am I going to get my butt on the field with all these guys. But that, that would have been a very talented team. So you get oh. the Buffalo. Yep. You get the Buffalo. Um, you know, I had a chance to go back last year. The first time I had been back to a game since I finished playing. And the fans – I, I, I say this all the time. I played three seasons in Buffalo. I'm not Jim Kelly at Buffalo. I just played three seasons there, and we actually made it to the playoffs, and we're happy to do that. And uh, the fans treated me like I'm a Jim Kelly up there. They're just There's a, something about the Buffalo fan, Jim, and you experience it forever. Yeah, they are. They're, they are special. That's the only thing they really have up there to do as far as, I mean, a bunch of blue-card people, close to the heart. I got to know so many people, but – they live and breathe Buffalo Bills football. As you all know, now they're called the Bills Mafia. Yeah. And uh, you know what? They still, not, they still have not had a real taste 
of playoffs when I'm talking about the players now. They haven't had a real taste of what Bill's Mafia is all about and how loud they really can be. And uh, I just can't wait to the day where they can still fill that stadium for 71,000 people and really hear what Buffalo Bills football is all about. And I'm, I'm sure you'll agree with this, and Doug. Um, this year, I think the quarterbacks had uh, a big advantage, especially the opposing quarterbacks when they're coming into your, uh, into your own stadium. They didn't have to worry about, like Kansas City, didn't have to worry about going out there and hearing 85,000 people or the Bills Mafia or Cleveland or Jets fans. I mean, it's just loud. The quarterback can't even think when it's that loud. So the advantage definitely was not the home field advantage anymore. I think that got wiped off the oh. map. I think that uh, these quarterbacks had it pretty easy this year, but it was good to see Buffalo, as you well know, lit it up. Josh Allen is the quarterback everybody's dreamed about, including me, that he finally they found somebody to come in and uh, be the quarterback for the future. I just, you know, in his side, and you know what? Now, I, I was, wasn't going to draw this comparison, but I was getting ready to say at his size, he runs tough. You know, he, he's not, you know, he's not the little scat back that the other guys are, but he'll take off and run with the ball Had a lot of yards rushing in the playoffs and rushing touchdowns, everything else. And he runs tough. And then right away that triggers me thinking of you, especially when you were younger, you know, you, you know, you were, you were a linebacker at Miami at first. So you had that mentality in you. <laughs> um, but it, it was fun for me. And it, and you can't overstate the fact that the fans weren't there for a home game, the advantage that that has, um, my biggest moment with the Bills was a last second win where we had a check with me at the goal line and I ended up running a naked bootleg around. Oh, it wasn't, yeah. It wasn't a naked bootleg. It was, it was a check with me and I was tossed crack. I was turning and Thurman didn't get the audible. He ran the dive because he couldn't hear. And that was a home game. So, I mean, it's, it can't be understated that that's a big difference that these guys didn't have to deal with. And it was probably more like a practice atmosphere for them on the field. There's no doubt. And I think they all realize that, that that home field advantage really wasn't a home field advantage. It's, and if I'm a quarterback, I would love that because it was, like you said, it's like practice. You don't have to worry about, you know, when you get up on a third down, you want to audible and check to another play or whatever the case may be, the snap count. I know when we played in Kansas City, when I was playing, you know, um, uh, so many of the uh, Neil Smith, he was beating me to my drop. That and Derek Thomas, those guys were so fast that they were just unbelievable. But you know what? What they're doing now, Doug, I, I wish that they were doing it back when we were playing is defensive linemen now. They, they can't pick you up and bury you like they used to do. Oh, gosh. You ran the ball a lot. I mean, you're probably one of the greatest athletes as far as quarterback that's ever been in the NFL. And those things, when they got it, when they were able to tackle you in the open field when they were able to, um, <laughs> they wanted to bury you. They wanted to make sure the quarterback felt every single inch of that burial that they were going to take us through. And that's what they did. Nowadays, uh, they, they take, have taken that away, which I liked. And I like to see, because nobody wants to see the backup. They want to see your star player, like a Josh Allen Mahomes, back when you played, and myself, and, you know, Marino and Elway. And us. I mean, just picture this. I'm five, nine and a half. Guy six foot five comes six seven coming around the edge, and I'm in a bent stance. Right, he can't hit me below the waist. That's a penalty. He can't go low. They can't hit me in the head. They're target shooting, and if I dunk I a little, I, I mean, uh, you know how many penalties I would draw from that. But when I was when we were USFL days, Reggie White, I it was a third and long. I rolled to my left, and I didn't want to cross the line of scrimmage. And I'm slowing down, trying to look upfield, and Reggie got me from behind. And he grabbed me, wrapped me up, and pinned both arms. And he just lifted and drove with body weight into the Ow. turf, my left shoulder, broken collarbone, separated shoulder. I'm telling this story to Phil Sims one day. I, we were just chatting it up, and, and he goes, he did the same exact thing to Phil, the same exact move. He pinned your arms, and it's intentional, and they lifted, and they drove you. So uh, I'd love – well, I didn't stand in the pocket too much anyway, but for guys like you, the comfort level – of standing in the pocket knowing they can't drive you. That's, it'd be night and day. There's no doubt about it. And, and I, I, love, I love what you're doing now, making it safer for receivers also, because it definitely benefits the offense. And I think every defensive player, probably most of them don't like it, especially the defensive ends, where their job is to get to the quarterback and hit him, hit him as hard as you can 
Do it legal. Don't be dirty. As mm -hmm. Mark Levy always said, don't be dumb and don't be dirty. But they can't even – I mean, when you get a quarterback, you want to put him into the turf. But, you know, nowadays you can't do it. I'm kind of glad that they can't. <laughs> I agree. I and you were talking about guys getting a jump start. Okay, with the Kate, they they actually could probably use Kate. They've stopped using cadence in general. They do the double cadence to try to draw people off, but uh, the whole draw us drawing people off sides with our cadence. Those days are almost over. I know. Um, so the the jump the the point I was getting to there was now when the defensive linemen jump, they don't they don't have the opportunity to get back because offensive linemen reach out and touch them and just move and, exactly. and get that free. That I don't know. I think. Unless they're really threatened, they should be allowed to get back. That's just my point of view. I agree. I totally agree. Um, that's yeah. more so now we're we're thinking maybe we're a, a defensive side, but offensively, of course, yeah, get yeah. them offside we'll and take, take the five yards, a free five yard penalty. Uh, so you're what are you doing for Super Bowl week? Anything over in Tampa or? No, I was going to go, and uh, I I decided on two days ago that I'm just going to go up to uh, head up to, uh, in the north of. Uh, up to Jupiter. I have a couple buddies. As a matter of fact, uh, Thurman's going to join me and uh, a couple buddies, and we're going to play a little golf. I don't play that much golf anymore. I've had too many surgeries. I got back, I got neck, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but uh, I usually uh, am a very good bartender. So I usually will hit a couple just to have fun. I'll watch everybody else. If they need a cool beer, I got you all. You need a sandwich, I'll go get it for you. It's just about being with your buddies and Doug, I've been very blessed because me, Bruce Thurman, Andre, Will Wolford, um, uh, Tally, Cornelius Bennett, we all still keep in touch. We're on a group text that we text every single game. They text. Not so much me. Wow. I just sit there. I listen to what's Is that too high? Is texting a little too high tech for you? You get involved in there. They're waiting to hear what you're going to say next. So I just sit back and listen. That's awesome. I, I, and He's not lying. I mean, last last year when I went back to Buffalo, I get to the game. They, I had a little thing going on that week, and um, I show up at the game. Do you make all the home games? Because I'm I'm there on the sideline. And there's Jim Thurman, Andre, Bruce. Uh, who else was? There? I think the bus was there that day. Uh, but uh, you know, to see you guys together, uh, how how often are you together? I mean, you're texting on the group text. You get together a couple Probably, times a year. Yeah, maybe uh, three or four times a year. Some of us more. Thurman still lives in Buffalo. Steve Tasker still lives there. But, like, if I go to Virginia, I'll call Bruce up. Um, wherever we're at, if you're in the same city or around an area where they can get to you, you come and visit, you have a little fun. And uh, I'm just very blessed. And to be honest with you, Doug, I've been asked a similar question a lot as far as the, the, you know, the group of us. I don't know if we would have won maybe one or two of those Super Bowls that we – um, would have been as close. I think that when we, we lose the first one, then the second one, then the third one, I think we drew closer. We really did. I thought think that we started really getting irritated about, oh, no, not the Buffalo Bills anymore. Not so much irritated that people were saying that we knew that they would, but all of a sudden you start thinking, okay, we really need to pull together because we want to tick all these people off and go back again, which we did. And I think that drew us even closer. But to be honest with you, I wish we could have checked it out to see if we would have been so close. That means I'm sure you would. <laughs> you would have been just as close. I, I, you know, for me, I'm I'm really jealous of guys like you, Brady, uh, guys that were able to stay in one city for the majority, you know, their whole career yep. and and build that legacy and go. Um, so I didn't have the year after year after year bond that built with players. But my three years in Buffalo, uh, I had a relationship with Eric Moulds as far as, you know, we're still buddies. We reconnected a few years ago and uh, do some things together. And that's the one aspect that I think over time that people don't really, you know, it becomes so instinctive when you're, you know, you got Thurman next to you, there's a body language, uh, uh, hand signals, whether it's Andre or whoever, you know, your main players, guys that have been together forever. Uh, how difficult though, think about it for Tom Brady to go to Tampa Bay this year and do what he did in a first season? Just shows you who he is, the GOAT. You cannot, I mean, I can understand mentally if a guy goes, especially a quarterback, from one team to the other, and it takes him two or three years to get together with all the players, you know, know the system, all these things. But to go right from uh, New England, where he went to nine Super Bowls, 
the first year, he takes, especially with the COVID where he can't get, he wasn't able to get the preseason games and all that to work out with, um, you know, get familiar with all the receivers and the line and all that. To be able to do that the first year is amazing. I Don't get me wrong. Bill Belichick, I think, is a great, great coach. But it just goes to show you how great and how much Tom Brady mean and meant to the New England Patriots, what he means to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now. The guy is amazing. He's such a good, good dude. I'd stay in touch with him all the time. He's one of our um, biggest supporters of my son's foundation, game shoes, game jersey, cleats, whatever I need for Hunter's Help, which is my son's foundation. He has been with us and been there just like you have, Doug, uh, for many, many years. And I'm, I'm very blessed to, to know that Tom is a very good friend. And to be honest with you, I'm, I'm, I think I'm pulling for Tampa more than anything else. I was more pulling for Kansas City if the Buffalo Bills would have been in it because I didn't want Tom Brady coming in and ruin a Buffalo Bills game again. But, uh, oh. yeah, Tom, uh, I, I wish him the best. Yeah, no doubt. I, you know, I only played one season with Tom, and I'd occasionally text him. And, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm not close, close with Tom, but I'm, like, you know, comfortable that I would walk up, yeah. whatever. And every time I text, it's like he gets back to you. He's not aloof. He's, he's a – he he does everything the right way. You know, they talk about him in the locker room, how he's such a leader. He always he's a guy that deflects the attention and tells you how great he go talk to these guys, you know, dude. And yep. the, the thing that amazed me when we were in the new, one year with him in New England, and he made everybody in the locker room feel like they were the reason we were winning. You know, the guy that was on uh, scout team. Hey, you really gave me a great look today. That's awesome. I need that again tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. The guy in the training room that's got an ankle injury didn't even practice. Oh, yeah, you know, whatever it was. But my one moment like that with him was we were watching film and uh, we were watching two-minute stuff. And I, this one team was playing, it was a form of cover two down by the goal line. I said, they, they can't play it in that area of the field. They can't get away with it. They're not going to get the yep. – and Tom kind of nodded along. Got, Tom got into two minute before the half, last play – down around the 15, boom, he pumps down the middle, hits a guy up the rail versus cover two. He comes straight to me and it's like, that's your touchdown. I'm like, BS, Tom. You know, you know, like, thank you very much. But you know what the, 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 the key there wasn't that. It was the fact that you remember and you got to the play call that you wanted to get to in that situation. He just makes everybody around them better. And uh, I was, I mean, I only got to spend one season with him, but I was just so impressed with Tommy. Yeah, he's a uh, great, great, great kid off the field and on the field. And, um, but uh, it, doing it, isn't that where you kicked that extra point? Yes, Drop I kicked it? <laughs> Drop kicked an extra point. That's right. I, I, I think I that see. was in New England. Unbelievable. You're amazing, man. man. You can do about anything you want. That's pretty cool. I had always messed around drop kicking, just it, entertaining. I'm a, yeah. I'm a 10-year-old kid. I got my attention spans like, Two seconds. So I go out in pregame and I'm kicking field, throwing at the crossbar, doing all that stuff. Chris Berman sees me doing it. Chris Berman goes to Belichick, tells him it hasn't been done since 1941. Belichick comes to me and says, Hey, can you drop kick? And I'm like, Yeah, I can do it. He goes, Well, work on it. We're going to practice it tomorrow. We ended up putting it on the back burner and we were going to do it against the Jets on a, um, we we're going to do it against the Jets. And it was a Monday night game in New York and it didn't happen. Uh, he put me in the game. We drove down. We were on the edge of field goal range. Drive stalled out. Didn't happen. And that game was a meaningless game at the end of the year. And there was only a few minutes ago, and we were on the five-yard line going in. And he just happened to see me standing next to him. And he goes, hey, we score here. You kick it. And he didn't even get the sentence out of his mouth, and we were already in the end zone. So then I ran out, and I liked it better that way because I didn't get nervous. I didn't have time. I just ran out. <laughs> Think about it. Of course, I was 43 years old and been standing around for three hours. My back's tight. All the old man story. But it was fun. It was a fun thing to do. It was a moment that uh, I had with the Patriots that year. So what, what about Patrick Mahomes on the other side? Uh, what are you seeing him? Amazing. Uh, two years ago, I was the uh, – Pro Bowl coach, honorary captain for the Pro Bowl. And my three quarterbacks were Andrew Luck, Patrick Mahomes, and Deshaun Watson. Talk about a threesome. Oh, my goodness. And Patrick Mahomes was about as cool as a dude as you ever could think about. Uh, very conversational, was unbelievable. And we've had a practice in the rain. And, of course, uh, the game that I played, I mean, you know, coached in, it was a game where the whole Pro Bowl, it rained the whole time. 
those other two guys, great, great quarterbacks. But he threw the football like it was a 75-degree sunny, no, no wind, no rain, no nothing. He was that good. And I knew from his mentality how he was at practice that he was going to be a great one for many, many years. And look what has happened. Uh, the guy's amazing. He can make every throw. And you know what? It's almost like you don't look at Josh Allen from Buffalo. Those two are almost like clones. They both can run. Patrick can make some throws that Josh can't make. Josh can make some throws that Patrick can't make. And uh, just exciting, as you well know, Doug, you want to see quarterbacks in the league lighting it up and having fun and doing things that is not typical that we used to do back in my day where we sit in the pocket, we read the defense, we pick them apart that way. You are more like those guys are because you were able to do all those things, run, the pump fake, run down the sideline for 40, 50 yards. My 40 and 50 yard runs were in practice when coaches made us do it. That was about it. But you know what? Mahomes lights it up. I love it. I can't wait to see this Super Bowl. You know what I love about it? It's the different arm angles and the drift away. And I, I get in this battle with, um, I got in this battle with coaches my whole career. Let's say you got a hot, right? You get, you get overload blitz from the right. So say your tight end's going to snap it off and head to the flat or snap it, you know, just hook around. You're trying to hit the hot. For me at 5'9", I'm throwing through an unblocked guy on a short route. So I got to maneuver around the guy. And they know they're hot there. They know they're bringing it there. They're rotating down and they're breaking on the ball. So I always, whenever there was a majority of time zone blitz, the only thing that would get me was Sam Sam Will blitz zone two. But the backside corner is always going to be one-on-one or or drifting off and playing like a, a three deep zone blitz zone. So I always put an individual route on the backside. You know, it might be an out, might be a hitch, might be a slant, whatever. And I just drift away from the overloaded guy and I'd throw the one-on-one route weak side. And I always threw it drifting so I didn't have to take a hit. Yep. And then you could also drift away on an overload blitz, keep giving ground, and throw the ball downfield. Throw the corner route, throw a post route, <laughs> versus blitz with an unblocked guy. And that's what I see in Mahomes. See, now you, uh, Brady... You guys stood in there, took it in the chops, and delivered these balls that I could never do. I could never do that because I'm throwing through a guy. And I just – that that marvel – and I loved that other aspect because I didn't have to worry, did he see the sight adjust as well, you know, the receiver. Um, I don't know. I, get, I, I got in so many battles with coaches over the years of the different things. But that's what amazes me more about Tom is that he's doing it from the pocket still. And – the way he moved in, in the pocket, the, where, the direction I was going with this was when you were running, run and shoot, you would run like trips to one side, an individual route on the weak side you called choice, and you yep. do that little rounded uh, drop. You, had, yep. no, you n- had no choice but to get rid of the football because you were going back into the line, weren't you? We're, yeah. We're, we're, when you had to square, as you well know, Doug, when you're throwing to left, you got square, though, that ball, put that ball on your right shoulder to be able to turn your hips and everything. And, yeah, there's many times where I released that football and the next thing I felt was uh, my back of my head hit the turf. <laughs> uh, but it was fun. I, I enjoyed, you know, people always say, is it worth all the pain that you're going through now? I said tenfold. Even though, as you well know, the older you get, the more of those pains that are coming out. But, you know, what? I just tell my daughter the other day, that I'm literally just like three, four days ago before I left to come down here that, Sweetie, I know you've seen Daddy in a lot of pain. I said, but you know what? All that pain that I went through back in my playing days, whether it was high school, college, or in the USFL or NFL, I said, it's worth every single moment that I'm having now. I said, I loved what I did. I, my, I took care of my family, my brothers, my five brothers. They loved and enjoyed every minute of my play. And uh, we've been having fun ever since. And I'm very blessed that... Uh, my one brother, oldest brother, 70 years old. He's turning 70. And we're all coming down here to Miami to have a little fun, get away from everybody, and just enjoy ourselves. So um, all those hits, I'm sure Doug, you'd probably say the same thing, those memories, that even though we lost those Super Bowls, the fun that we had, being able to share that with not only my family, but the Bills fans and people like that. And I know you've got to experience that just for a couple of years, but uh, uh, Doug Flutie will always be a special person in Buffalo, too. I appreciate that. And I know how close you are with your family. I've seen you with your brothers, you know, all through the years, whether it's at golf tournaments together, uh, yep. the interaction there and the family. And that's, 
I agree that the, everything's worthwhile. No doubt about it. I've got some knee issues in my back. I had a back surgery, all that stuff, but, um, you wouldn't change it for anything in the world. Uh, the fact that you can take care of family and friends, and I know how much fun you and your brothers had. Are there any stories that are PG enough to talk about? Oh boy. Oh, I just know my brother Ray. He he looked like me a lot uh, back in the day. And a lot of people thought he was me all the time. Um, and he would go into a bar, whatever the case may be, and everybody would think he was me. And he kept telling people that he wasn't, they wouldn't listen to him. So he allowed them to uh, buy him beers and have fun. And I remember one time it was like, you know, games are always at one o'clock on the East Coast. He was pulling in. He was late getting, you know, his flight was late getting in. So he came through the gate and I was going to our place and they automatically thought he was me. He said, hey, let through Kelly. He's late. He's late. He's running late. And he got to drive right up to almost the locker room and got him right up in front. He's like, man, I'm going to come late every time and say, think it's me. I go, no, bro, don't do that. So too many times. He got me in trouble, and uh, he was staying out late, and he would sign autographs for free drinks, and all of a sudden, you lose a football game. Yeah, hey, Kelly, have an hour six-pack, get drunk. This is back <laughs> in the day. And, but I said, bro, you can't go out on Saturday nights anymore because everybody's going to think you're me. You can't do that anymore. He said, okay, I'll stay home. But he only did that for a couple of years. The last couple of years of my, my career, he decided to start staying more at home than going out and having fun. But you know what? The Irish skin and me, the Irish and all of us, just have a little fun. <laughs> all right. I'll let you run, but uh, we need a prediction for this week and, and the Super Bowl. And what kind of games do the quarterbacks have? Boy, I don't know. It's, it's going to be a tough one. And the thing is, I would never, ever bet against Tom Brady if I was a better, which I'm not. But uh, it's hard to bet against a guy. He's been there, done that too many times. But when you've got a great guy on the other side like Patrick Mahomes, I can't see – Unless Tampa plays that perfect game, how they're going to be able to keep up with uh, those uh, those receivers uh, uh, that um, Patrick has? I mean, I don't know if there's anybody out there that can cover those guys. So yeah. I'm going to pick. I, I want. I'm going to pull for Tampa Bay because of Tom being a very good friend. But uh, um, I, I'd say I, I think Kansas City because they just got too many weapons on that offense. I'm kind of in that same boat. I'm just pulling for Tommy so hard. Uh, one last question. Um, before those big games, like I've been looking, Pat, Mc, Pat Mahomes has had some slow starts, and then he gets rolled. Like last year's Super Bowl, they were always behind, the whole playoffs. Like they were behind, came from behind, won games. Um, did you have butterflies before games? Did you? What did you do? What was your routine that that kept you from getting nervous? Or <laughs> yeah, I had. Uh, we were very superstitious. Uh, yeah, I am. Um, even in high school, I threw up before every single game. My nerves, it wasn't that I was shaky nervous, just my stomach. And I would throw up before every single game. And when I got to the NFL, my offensive lineman would not leave the locker room until they heard me back in the bathroom. And there were times where I didn't have to go, you know, I didn't have to yeah, throw up. I didn't have that to. Nervous. And they would not wait. I would leave the locker room until I did. So I went back there and I made myself, you know, throw up just to keep my offensive line healthy. As you all know, Doug, you got to take care of the big guys. Big funny. So I made sure I did that. But, uh, yeah, yeah, that's what I did before every single game. Unbelievable, Jimmy. Well, uh, really fun talking with you again and reminiscing. I, I shoot, you know, we crossed paths a little more than, than I really realized, you know, starting back with the USFL and then Buffalo days and everything else. So it's yep. great. Great to see you healthy and around, and uh, enjoy playing some golf next week. I appreciate it, Doug. You take care of yourself. God bless you. Love you, man. And uh, we'll talk down the road, bud. Well, it's Super Bowl week, and when I think back to my first impressions of Super Bowl, I can picture being a little kid. My parents were from Baltimore, uh, being a Baltimore Colts and Johnny Unitas fan, and Joe Namath beating my Baltimore Colts is like my first Super Bowl memory. So frustrating for me that uh, the Colts were heavy favorite. I'm a little kid living and dying. I can remember being, we lived in a little tiny house with a small backyard that backed up to an alleyway and we were watching on a little black and white TV. And I, I, I just remember crying watching my Baltimore Colts lose the, their first Super Bowl. I might've been five or six years old at the time. And uh, you know, the following year though, the Colts bounced back 
probably the worst Super Bowl played ever against the Dallas Cowboys and kick the game-winning field goal on the last play of the game only because Craig Morton threw an interception for I don't know how many turnovers were in the game. It was the ugliest game. Mike Curtis for the Baltimore Colts, a linebacker, intercepts it. Jim O'Brien, a rookie kicker, towing it back in those days, kicks the game-winning field goal, and that was like my happiest Super Bowl memory. But then you move to the modern era, and I start thinking about Joe Montana because he was my idol growing up. And I was at the game. I was sitting in the end zone when Montana went the length of the field, 92 yards against Cincinnati, throwing the slant for the touchdown in the back of the end zone. And what, what hits me about that more than anything, I guess, was the beginning of the drive. There was a TV timeout. Montana's in the huddle. And you could see him looking around. Like the, the situation, you know, Super Bowl's on the line, everything on the line. And he's just calm, cool, and collected. And I saw him like looking around a little bit. And the story is he's pointing out celebrities in the crowd to the guys in the huddle. So that tells you how guys are loose and relaxed in pressure situation where the rest of the world is on the edge of their seat and nervous. The guys that are in those situations love those moments and, and just can play their heart out and play at their best because they're relaxed. Joe Montana in a nutshell, Brett Favre in a nutshell. And for me, especially my days in Canada, I played that way. So it's a lot of fun to be in those pressure situations and have all the game on the line and it on in your hands in the last minute. Uh, I guess I'll make a pick on this, but I think my, my heart's in it a little too much with Tom. There's no reason to think Tampa Bay should beat Kansas City. There's no reason to think Tampa Bay should have been in the Super Bowl this year, other than the fact that Tom Brady is there. He does have great weapons on offense, and their defense is getting the turnovers that help them win. So I am picking Tom Brady strictly because it's Tom Brady. I love the way Patrick Mahomes plays. Patrick Mahomes, when the pressure's on, he will do everything it takes to win a football game. But for some reason, this seems like it's Tom Brady's year and it will happen, winning a Super Bowl at home. Wrap up this first podcast. Looking forward to next week as well, the Flutie Flakes cast. And uh, you can get the Flutie Flakes cast. It's a part of the SiriusXM podcast network. You can find the podcast SXM app and wherever you get your podcast. Remember to rate and subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. Enjoy the Super Bowl, everyone. Serious XM Podcasts.